This week's passage is from Genesis 27, 1 to 40. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat, so that I might give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father, just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord, ga- the Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. He went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grace and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game, so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who is it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. 
When Esau heard his father's word, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I've made him lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants and I've sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, please have your Bibles open as we continue our series on Jacob. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that in Scripture we see your hand in history, that your will will come to fruition, fulfilled in Christ in whom we have the salvation of our souls. We pray that as we come to your passage now, that we may continue to see your hand at work and that we will continue to trust in our Lord Jesus for the salvation of our souls. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's no deficit of reality TV programs, are there? From Lego Masters to The Block, Ninja Warrior to Master Chef, it seems like every week there's a new reality show popping up. One of the most successful reality shows uh, is Survivor, which will be airing its 42nd season this year. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched Survivor, but I watched the, uh, some of the first season some 22 years ago. In the show, 16 contestants are cast away on a remote island. They're split into two tribes where they have to work together to hunt for food, uh, to start their own fire, to build their own shelter all from scratch. Every few days, the tribes come together to compete in challenges. If they win, they get immunity and a reward, like toilet paper uh, or lighter. But if their tribe loses, then they go to tribal council to vote one of their own out of the game. Uh, It sounds like a simple and straightforward competition, but that couldn't be further from the truth. It's a ruthless competition full of drama. Uh, To survive on the island, the contestants must outwit, outplay and outlast every other contestant to become the sole survivor on the island and win $1 million. And so Kelly and Sue form an alliance to outwit the other contestants, only for Kelly to eventually betray the alliance and Sue and vote her off the island. Stacy outplayed all the other contestants and won her tribe immunity by eating a live beetle larvae only to be voted out by her tribe at the next council. Ultimately, it was Richard Hatch who outlasted them all and won the prize. But how did he do it? By being a self-confessed Machiavellian, a cunning, scheming, conniving, devious, ruthless villain. And as we turn to today's passage, all the hallmarks of what makes a great TV show is found in every verse of today's passage from the drama of alliances and betrayal to the tragedy of deception and heartlessness. And so let's turn our attention not to a remote island off the coast of Malaysia 
with 16 contestants being for a million dollars. But the land of Canaan, off the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, with four family members fighting over the blessings of God. And what we're going to see is how Isaac tries to outwit God, how Rebekah tries to outplay Isaac, and how Jacob tries to outlast Esau. So let's begin with Isaac trying to outwit God. Isaac's old and blind. He thinks he's on his deathbed and wants to give his last will and testament. Verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I'm now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now the cultural norm of the day would be for Isaac to call his entire family together, publicly, so that he would bless his sons, not just his firstborn son or his favorite son, but all his sons. Uh, we see uh, Jacob do this later in Genesis 49, where he blesses his sons, all, all his sons. But instead, what, what we see here is that Jacob, uh, Isaac calls Esau to him in secret. He tells uh, uh, Esau to hunt in secret, to prepare a tasty meal for him in secret, and to bless him in secret. Verse 3, now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow and go out to the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, why is Isaac trying to bless Esau in secret? Well, if you remember back to last week, God told Rebekah and therefore Isaac, even before the twins were born, before they did anything good or bad, God chose the younger Jacob to be served by the older Esau. But Isaac clearly didn't like that. He didn't like what God had to say because he loved Esau. He loved the fact that Esau was a man's man, a Bear grills kind of guy. I mean, who doesn't like Bear grills? He's tough, he's skillful, he's useful. He always brings back delicious game. And so Isaac wanted to bless his favorite son and not God's chosen son. And so he devises a secret plan to outwit God. But Isaac wasn't the only person with a cunning plan to get his way. Rebekah overhears Isaac's secret plan to bless Esau, and so she comes up with her own secret plan to outplay Isaac. For Isaac loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. The author makes this crystal clear in verse four and f- 5 and 6. Notice the way Esau and Jacob described. Verse 5, now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son. And verse 6, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob. So you have Isaac and his son, uh, so you have Isaac and his son Esau in verse 5, and Rebekah and her son Jacob in verse 6. The two alliances, the two tribes within the same family. And so like a twisted Mission Impossible scene, Rebecca dresses her Jacob to be his son Esau. She covers his hands and neck with goatskin and gives him the tasty food and bread she made. The mastermind behind Jacob's deception is his mum. If Jacob's the heel grabber, Rebecca's the heel grabber par excellence. Maybe that's how Jacob became such a great deceiver on his own right. He had his mum to look up to. 
And so Jacob goes to his father in verse 18, and Isaac asks, who is it? And, and we see Jacob lie three times. So follow along with me. The first series of lies is in verse 19. And notice how almost every word of his is a lie. So verse 19, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, lie. Your firstborn, lie. I have done as you told me, lie. Please sit up and eat some of my game, lie, so that you may give me your blessing. Yet Isaac seems to buy it, but, 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 but he's still wondering. Verse 20, how did you find it so quickly, my son? And without hesitation, Jacob responds with his second lie. The Lord, your God, gave me success. Now, Jacob's not only quick-witted, he's quick to make Isaac's God, not his God, do you notice that? It's not my God, but your God, Isaac's God, his accomplice in his mission, in his elaborate lie to get the blessings that was reserved for Esau. And so he tells his father, your God gave me success. But Isaac still has his doubts. He tells Jacob to come close in verse 21, touches Jacob's hands, and there's Harry as Esau's. So in his confusion, he asks again in verse 24, are you really my son Esau? And notice how Jacob responds this time, his third lie. He replies with as few words as possible so as to give away as little as possible. He simply says, I am. But Isaac still isn't convinced. He tells Jacob to give him a kiss, verse 26, and he does. Isaac smells the aroma of Esau's clothing, and so even though Jacob's voice lies, he's convinced it's Esau's smell. So verse 27, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. You can hear the promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and now to Jacob in these blessings, can't you? But despite Isaac's attempts to outwit God and how careful he is to ensure that he only blesses Esau and not Jacob, he ends up blessing Jacob with the very blessings God had promised, that the older will serve the younger, and the younger will be stronger than the older. Now what this passage makes abundantly clear is that not only is it impossible to outwit God, God sees all. It's like on Survivor, the cameras are everywhere, all the contestants and what they do and say is all captured. And here, where Isaac tries to bless Esau in secret, God sees all. You see, you can't outwit God. That's abundantly clear. But what else is abundantly clear is that God will choose to bless the undeserved. Jacob listened to his conniving mother. He deceived his dying father, and he stole his brother's blessings. Yet despite his many sins, God still blesses him. And so what does that tell us? What that, God, what that tells us is that God will bless the undeserved, and that includes you and me, because we all have a little bit of Jacob in all of us, don't we? Because we all dress up as someone else. Jacob dressed up as Esau to get what he wanted. And we dress up as someone else to get what we want. 
such as the approval and affirmation of others. So you might be at a playground and your kid's throwing a hissy fit again. You know everyone's watching and you're feeling really embarrassed. If you were at home, you would have already lost it. You would have told your son off. You would have sent him to his room. But because you're in public, you miraculously, as you walk to your son, transform into Mother Teresa and become the most patient and gentle person the world has ever seen. You begin uh, to listen to your son. You crouch down. You're at his eye level. You start cuddling him. You start listening to him. And in a matter of minutes, you're already tickling him and he's laughing his head off. And he runs off and he becomes this beautiful angel with a great big smile. And if it was socially acceptable, everyone in the playground would, 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 would pause and, and clap and be in awe of this amazing miracle that you're just the most amazing mum in the universe. Or maybe you work in the office and you're slow to reply to emails. You're generally quite lazy and you're not enthused by your work. And so you don't get back to your colleagues promptly. That they often have to follow up. And when they do, you, you, you reply with excuses about, oh, I'm just so busy. I've just got so much on my plate. Oh, I'm so sorry I didn't get back to you any quicker. But in reality, it was just because you were lazy. You see, we, we, we put on masks, we put on personas, we dress in other people's clothing so that we might be accepted, that we might receive the acclamation and the love of the people around us. In fact, social media has made it that much easier, hasn't it, to appear to be someone we're not. Recently, there was an article about a social media influencer. He saw a homeless man on the street. He asked the homeless man, well, what do you want to eat? And the man said, I want KFC. And he says, just, just wait a second, I'm going to be right back. He goes and buys KFC. He's got the camera in front of him and the bag of KFC in his other hand. He's walking to the guy and he, he gives it to the guy. And he's so proud, he's like, oh, look, I made this guy... Uh, gave this guy KFC, he recorded it all, edited it all, chucked it on TikTok so that the world could see what kind of guy he is. Comments began piling in. Some praised the influencer, oh, thanks so much for inspiring us. But others criticized him for what it was, a publicity stunt to get a few extra followers. You see, we all dress up as someone else, don't we? So that people don't see who we really are. Because we were able to peel back, if they were able to peel back the, the, the layers of our deceits, like we peel back an onion, they'll see our warts and all. They'll see our hypocrisy and our deceit. They'll see through all that we dress, up, dress ourselves up to be. Now that's why Jesus had to come. Because none of us deserve God's blessings. God sees all. There's no secret before his eyes. And so we all need his grace. And the amazing truth is that Jesus does that. Jesus gives us his grace. Not by putting on someone else's clothes to hide his sin, but by by putting on our human flesh to die for our sins. And he does that so that we don't have to hide behind someone else's clothes, but instead we can put on his clothes of righteousness. As Paul tells us in Colossians, in chapter 3 from verse 9, do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. 
You see, friends, we're all in the same boat, aren't we? We, 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 we know that we are sinners, that we hide behind the clothes of others, and we all need a saviour. We do, or we all need Jesus. And so our church, our discipleship teams, our catch-ups over coffee, our dinners in one another's homes should all be wonderful times and opportunities when we can let our guard down, when we don't dress up like someone else, as it were, but we come together, warts and all, because we know that it's a place of grace and love where our sins can be confessed and forgiven, where our troubles will be heard with love and sympathy, where prayers are said and words of comfort given, where as brothers and sisters in Christ we spur each other on in love and good deeds. Isn't that the church that you want? Well, we've seen how Isaac failed to outwit God. We've also seen how Rebecca managed to outplay Isaac. But will Jacob outlast Esau? Because even though he got what he wanted, he's not out of the woods yet. When Esau turns out from hunting in verse 30, with food in his hands, he expects to be warmly greeted by his father to receive the blessings promised by his father. But instead, Isaac trembles violently in verse 33. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. Now, I would have thought that Isaac could just call Jacob in and Jacob comes in and he just tells Jacob, What have you done? You've deceived me, you naughty boy. And so he takes back the blessings that he gave to Jacob and then gives it to, to, to Esau. But he doesn't do that. He says, I blessed him, and indeed he'll be blessed. It seems like he can't take back the blessing. Once it's said, it's out there. He can't take it back. Now, we don't know exactly why. It could be because it was done in the presence of God in verse 7. Or that God, God's name has already been invoked in verse 28. And so God has committed, has been committed to the blessings that have been given. Either way, Isaac's blessings given to Jacob are binding and a prophetic. But that doesn't stop Esau from pleading with his father. Remember how Jacob lied three times to get all the blessings? Well, now we'll see that Esau pleads with his father three times and gets none of the blessings. So verse 34, when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. You can sense and feel the agony in his voice, can't you? Verse 36, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? You see, there's no more blessing left. He gave it all to Jacob. He wanted to give it all to Esau, but he ended up giving it all to Jacob. And verse 38, the third time he pleads, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. Isaac tried to outwit God, and instead of doing the right thing and calling the family together and blessing both his sons, Isaac's plan backfires miserably. 
He wanted to bless Esau with everything, but instead he ended up blessing Esau with nothing. There wasn't even one blessing he could give. That's why Isaac's words in 3940 are more prophecy than blessing. And that's what ends up happening in history, particularly during the time of King David, when the Edomites become subject to him. That is, Edom, the descendants of Esau, are subject to David, the king of Israel, the descendants of Jacob. The older will serve the younger. The tragedy of Isaac's love for Esau backfired, but so did Rebekah's love for Jacob. Verse 41, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. As a result, Rebekah manipulates Isaac to send Jacob away to find a wife, and so Jacob flees, and Rebekah loses her son. It's terribly tragic, isn't it? That's what sin does. It destroys relationships. It tears people apart. It leaves a trail of disaster. If anyone's ever deceived you or lied to you or stolen from you, then you'll know the devastating effects of sin and of relationships. But if Isaac had not tried to outwit God, Esau would have been blessed with some blessings. And he could have shared in uh, the blessings of God. He could have had a place amongst God's people. And if Rebekah had not tried to outplay Isaac, Jacob could have stayed at home with her instead of fleeing from his brother. But instead, she never saw him again in her life. She lost her son. Richard Hatch won the first season of Survivor and became an instant celebrity. He was able to outwit, outplay, and outlast the other 15 contestants and win the $1 million prize money. And it all came down to his ability to deceive and manipulate the other contestants. In 2013, the TV Guide included him in its list of the 60th nastiest villains of all time. That's not a list you want to be on. But his life of deception continued even after the show. In 2006, Hatch was convicted of tax evasion and served 51 months in prison. Then in 2011, he served another nine months sentence for violating his probation. Yet the irony is that he continued to be a sought-after motivational speaker. To appear on TV shows. He was even on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in Australia. And even worked successfully as a consultant for corporations the world over. Even training employees how to deal with conflict management. As we saw in today's passage, Jacob was able to get the blessings of the firstborn to win the prize, as it were, not by being honest and trusting in God to fulfill his promise, but by taking it, taking it by deception before fleeing for his life. But almost 2,000 years later, a seed from Jacob finds himself being questioned before the governor. His life's on the line, and his answer to the governor's questions are a matter of life and death. And so when Pilate asked Jesus three times in Luke 22 and 23, are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? 
are you the king of the Jews? If Jacob's, Jacob was in Jesus' shoes, we know what sort of answers he'll provide. Now, yes to any of these questions will send Jesus to the cross. And so what does Jesus say? He doesn't try to outwit, outplay, or outlast anyone in the game of deception. He wins with the truth. He answers yes all three times. Yes, I am the Messiah. Yes, I am the Son of God. Yes, I am the King of the Jews. If Jesus had lied, he would have saved his life. But Jesus didn't lie. He didn't deceive. He didn't shy away from answering. He told the truth and it cost him his life. Why did he do it? He did it so that I might have the blessing of the firstborn. He did it so that you might have the blessing of the firstborn. That's why Romans chapter 8, verse 17 tells us that we are co-heirs with Christ. Romans 8, if we are God's children, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Even though we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You see, Jesus told the truth, and the truth meant giving up his rights as the firstborn so that he might share those blessings with you and me. That's why Peter then tells us in 1 Peter 1.4 that our promised inheritance in heaven is all but guaranteed. You see, what Esau tried to get in secret, what Jacob got by deception, God freely gives us in Jesus the rights and the blessings of the firstborn. But the only way we can get it is if we stop deceiving ourselves and say that we don't need God. The only way we're going to get the blessings of the firstborn is if we stop hiding behind the clothes of others and seek the forgiveness of all our sins. You see, friends, the gospel is the reason we don't need to fight or steal or deceive. We don't need to outwit or outplay or outlast anyone. We already have the blessing of the firstborn. We're co-heirs with Christ. We have an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. So let's put to death the clothes of deceit and put on the righteousness of Jesus, of our Lord and Saviour. Amen.